following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 10th, 2022, on the basis of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Reality has a way of failing to meet our expectations. It's never good as what we hoped, as what we expected. But even though that's the case, that doesn't stop advertisers and businesses from raising our expectations, raising our hopes, so that we'll buy their products. Turn on the TV any day of the week, and you know exactly what I mean. A fit, beautiful model sits on a stationary bike, pedaling furiously. You can be just as fit, just as toned, just as beautiful as her for three easy payments of $599.99. A famous actor sits in the front of a beautiful, luxurious car. He drives down immaculate city streets. You can be just as cool, just as hip, just as awesome as he is if you put down a down payment for that beautiful, luxurious car. A fast food chain is advertising their newest product, the beautiful burger, right? The bun glistens, the patty looks juicy and delicious. Best of all, it comes at a reasonable price. Why make food when you can have that instead? Businesses and companies, they sell us on these promises, these hopes, right? The hope of being fit and beautiful, the hope of being awesome and hip, the hope of an awesome, delicious meal at a cheap, reasonable price course, the reality is never as good as what we might hope. No matter how hard we pedal on that bike, we'll never look like that model. No matter how many luxurious cars we buy, we'll never be as cool, as popular, as hip as that actor or that celebrity. That delicious looking burger on the screen ends up just being a soggy, greasy mess in a bag. Expectation, our reality doesn't meet our expectations. And it's not just businesses, it's not just ad companies, right? It's everyone else, too. Politicians run their campaigns on vague political slogans and promises, right? If you vote for them, things will get better. If you vote for them, things will improve. Check in just a year later. Have things really improved? Are things really that much better? Sports teams do the same thing to us, right? This is our year. This is the year that we win it all. They load up the roster with great players. They rile up the fan base, and then what? They fall short year after year. Or finally, we see it on a personal level too, right? We have friends at work, friends at home who promise that this is their year. This is the year when they will fix their bad habits. This is the year when they will improve their lives. Check in just a month later, a few weeks later, and they're back to their old habits. It's a predictable cycle, right? Raised hopes, high expectations, and then disappointment. And as Christians, we might even think that that cycle applies to our God. We have high expectations, lofty expectations of what God can and should do for us, how he should improve our lives, how he should show his power, how he should act towards the opposition and towards our enemies. And yet time and time again, God fails to meet those expectations, the expectations we have of him as God and king of the universe. But today, the prophet Isaiah tells us why. He tells us why our God doesn't meet our expectations. Jesus doesn't come in the way that we would expect him to as a powerful God and as a king. Instead, he comes in humility and weakness. 
And that's actually a good thing. Because God's ways are better than our ways. His ways are much better than our ways. Jesus comes in humility and he comes in weakness to do far more for us than we could ever imagine. God's people at the time of Isaiah were tiny and small. They were weak and powerless. They were on the bottom rung of the totem pole. They were a small fish in a huge pond. They were surrounded by empires. They lived in the shadow of kings and emperors. First, it was the Assyrians who came and took away God's people in the north. Then it was the Babylonians who swept away God's people in the south. Then it was the Persians. Then it was Alexander the Great. Then it was finally the Romans. But as all these empires came and went, one thing never really seemed to change. God's people were always on the bottom. They were always the ones who got trampled on. They were always the people who got walked over, who got stepped on. To punish those people who drag his name and our names through the mud, to lay down the law on those people who keep leading our nation and this world in the wrong direction. Simply put, we want God to act like who he really is, the God, the creator, the ruler, the king of the universe. We want him to raise us up, raise up his people to crush and destroy his enemies. But instead, God does none of the things that we would hope for him to do. He does none of the things that we would expect. In a world that's all about having a loud voice, Christianity gets quieter and quieter. In a world that's all about progress, right, things seem to be getting worse and worse. The, the wicked, the evil, the corrupt don't just seem to be winning. They seem to be getting away with it. And we find ourselves in the same place as those who watched the Messiah die on the cross. It doesn't make sense. We're left asking the same question. Why? Because Jesus could have fulfilled all the hopes that the people had of him. He could have been that conquering Messiah that they wanted. He could have driven out the Romans. He could have gone into Jerusalem as a great and wonderful king. He could have made them a world superpower. And in the same way, God could do all the things that you want him to do today. He could snap his fingers and make your life instantly better. He could wave his hand and all the critics would be silenced forever. He could point and the enemies would all be destroyed. That would be it. That's what we want, right? We want God to show his justice, to show his power, to show his glory, to bring judgment on this world. But if judgment and justice is what we really want, where does that leave us? Because the ground that we stand on is perhaps not as firm, not as solid as we might think. As people, we're broken and we're flawed, right? We struggle, we're weak, we waver and we doubt in our faith. But it's more than that. What do we see when we look at our own hearts? We see divided loyalties. We stretch ourselves so thin that God just becomes an afterthought in the hustle and bustle of life. God becomes just a priority right next to everything else rather than the priority in life. God becomes just another important thing to us, just another thing about us, like our families, our friends, our careers, rather than the thing that defines us. God becomes just a sidebar rather than the most important thing, the centerpiece of your life, the place that the king of the universe really deserves. But it's more than that as well. When we look at our actions, when we look at the way that we work in life, when we look at the priorities that we choose, 
when we look at the way that we treat the people that God has placed in our lives, we realize that we fall woefully short of the high standards that God places in front of us. More than that, we don't just disobey what God tells us to do. There are times when we actively and deliberately choose to do the opposite of what God would want us to do. And yes, God doesn't do what we would expect in this world, but we're left with the realization that it's really us who have failed to live up to his standards. It's really us who have let him down. It's really us who have disappointed him. Let God bring justice. Let God bring judgment. Let God show his power, and we know exactly where he'll begin, with you and me. Because to go against God's will, to disobey him, to have a divided heart, to have divided loyalties, is the very definition of what it means to be an enemy in opposition to God. But that's why Isaiah's words are so important to us today. Because Isaiah tells us that the Savior doesn't come, the Messiah doesn't come to conquer, he doesn't come to destroy, he comes to save. He comes to give hope, not just to one people, not just to one nation, but to the whole world, to enemies of God, to people like you and me. That's why we find Jesus in weakness and humility. That's why we find Jesus at a small manger in Bethlehem. That's why we find Jesus as a simple carpenter. That's why we find Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. In Jesus, we see God surrendering to his enemies. We see God allowing himself to be convicted and to be put on trial. We see God suffering, allowing himself to be beaten and mocked by his enemies. We see him letting them drive nails through his hands and hang him to death on the cross. But in Jesus, we see how God changes the game for you and for me. Instead of the punishment that we deserve, God gives us himself. He comes to surrender his own life to his enemies, for his enemies, for you and for me. In Jesus, we see the God of the universe stooping down in pain and sorrow and suffering to lift up a ruined world, to lift up ruined people like you and me. Because that's why Jesus comes in lowliness and humility. So we can always approach him. So we can always have him. So we can come to him not in fear, not in trembling, but in faith. Jesus comes in sorrow and suffering to save you and me. He comes to give you and I hope. Real hope. Not the hope that this world sells. Not advertising magic or empty campaign slogans. Not, I hope my team wins it this year, or I hope to win the lottery. Not the small hopes we have in this life, like financial security, or a successful career, or a great family and friends. God wants to give you something bigger, something better. He wants to give you a greater hope in this life. The hope that death is not the end. That tears and suffering will cease. That pain and sorrow does not have the last word in this life. God promises you a life of everlasting joy, a life of everlasting peace. He promises you a crown of glory, a crown of life, all because of your Savior who wore the crown of thorns. That's why Jesus came in humility. That's why Jesus came to suffer. That's why Jesus came in weakness. He came in weakness to save you. He came in weakness to give you his life to give you the promise and hope of everlasting life.
that's real hope. Amen.